Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Talking News. Our readers, Bob, Claire, and Max, will read from the local Belmont Citizen Herald, reporting on Belmont happenings and news from around town. And now on to our show. Growing organic herbs and lettuce at art specialties. Since opening art specialties in Belmont three years ago, owner Artur Nagarian of Watertown has expanded the business by taking over the space of two neighboring stores. The store offers a variety of local food and beverage products, such as craft beer, wine, nuts, honey, condiments, cheeses, vinegar, pasta, hot sauces, chocolates, and most recently, fresh produce grown right inside the store. Nagarian said his customers were asking for fresh produce. Through research and assistance from a business associate, Phil Stallworth of Woburn, he learned how to grow produce inside his store using a soilless hydroponic system to grow fresh herbs and produce, such as basil, cilantro, rosemary, and romaine lettuce. According to Stallworth, all you need is water, heat, and nutrients. The process from start to finish takes six weeks, and the end result is organically sourced produce without the use of any pesticides or herbicides. We germinate our seeds in a rock wool, a growing medium, where they will spend the rest of their life growing under LED lights until they mature enough to be sold. Our entire system is programmed to provide our plants with an optimal 14 to 16 hour photic period, said Stallworth. The water used is recycled from a basement that the basins that sits at the bottom of the system. Our goal is to provide the best quality organic produce for customers that is locally grown and harvest right in front of their eyes, said Stallworth. He said the system allows people to see how their food is handled, but also reduces the amount of energy needed in order to get the foods from farm to plate. Nagarian said as soon as the fresh herbs and lettuce are ready, they sell out. Customers can buy the lettuce to make salad at home, or a staff will make it for them. Stalworth and Nagarian are calling the project Leaf to Leaf a pilot that they hope will create an interactive experience for customers at art specialties and the food they consume. They hope to expand the program into a separate area and offer teaching programs for the children. Stallworth and Nagarian hope to expand the pilot into a bigger program that is run for and by children and focuses on the importance of environmental stewardship by combining small business and teaching children how to manage their own food sources. We hope by providing sustainably grown produce and creating an experience where kids can be excited about making executive decisions that will impact everyone who walks into the door. We will change the way people look at how we better manage our food distribution while doing less harm to the environment, said Stalworth. And now to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Library Building Committee hires an architect. Community invited to forum March 13 by Joanna K. Zovellis. 
Belmont is on its way to getting a new library building to replace the current building at 336 Concord Ave, possibly by 2021. Since the library building committee was appointed in 2018, they have selected an owner's project manager, Dedalus Projects, the same owner's project manager for the grade 7 to 12 high school building project, and most recently an architect, Uden's Ello Architecture, the Boston-based firm, has helped design 12 public libraries in Massachusetts and has received national and state awards for their designs. In a statement regarding their selection, architect Conrad Allo wrote, It is vitally important that we listen carefully to all of the project's stakeholders and build on the many years of strategic thinking about this project that has led us to this point. Ello added that the project's timing seems perfect in the context of current plans for the new high school, a possible new hockey rink, and parking across the street and potential infrastructure improvements to the town's pedestrian and bicycle network. With several key projects in the early stages at the same time, there is a real opportunity to coordinate design efforts along Concord Ave in such a way that can result in larger benefits to Belmont's public realm, Rodello. History of the project. A feasibility study from 2016 to 2017 determined a new library would be the best option to meet the needs of the future library programs and services in Belmont. The price tag on in February 2017 was estimated to be $23.4 million for a 38,950-square-foot two-story building. Next steps. Now that an architect has been hired, the schematic design process will begin. The schematic design is the tool Belmont Library Foundation President David Stiveder said they need to raise private funds for the new facility. Our goal is to raise as much as we possibly can, he said. The design is expected to be unveiled by the fall, which is when fundraising will begin in full force, said Stiveder. On March 13, a public forum will be held, 7 to 8.30 p.m., in the Belmont Public Library Assembly Room to share information about the schematic design process and get input on the vision for the design. We are building on the strong public engagement we had with the feasibility study and looking to continue that dialogue as we look to develop the schematic designs, said Kathy Keehang chairman of the Library Board of Trustees. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. School Committee Candidates Voice Concerns by Joanna Cates-Uvelis. Three candidates have officially filed nomination papers for the two <coughs> three-year school committee seats on the ballot in the upcoming election April 2nd. They are incumbent Andrea Prestwich and newcomers Amy Chekaway and Peter Pant Pantazopoulos. Wicked Local Belmont is hosting a live debate between the three school committee candidates in the race for the three-year seat at 6 p.m. on March 15th at Belmont Media Center. Each week leading up to the election, the Belmont Citizen Herald will ask each of the three candidates in the race a question of the week. This week's question, what issues are you most concerned about and why? Incumbent Andrea Prestwich. 
The past three years have been very good for Belmont schools. We have seen the effects of the override in smaller class sizes and increased staffing in areas of need, for example, English language learners. And the town came together in a spectacular vote to support the new high school. My priorities are to maintain this forward momentum, in particular planning for the new high school and resulting grade configuration, and maintaining funding for school operations. Healthy start times in the new high school are a priority and also the availability of quality after-school care. Newcomer Amy Checkaway. Some of the issues that I care about include, but are certainly not limited to, one, ensuring that our district is helping students develop essential skills for the future, including persistence, leadership, collaboration, compassion, and critical thinking. <coughs> two, providing our school leaders and educators with the supports and resources they need to effectively serve diverse learners. Three, focusing on the district's strategic priorities and budget with attention to both immediate needs and longer-term planning. And four, engaging <coughs> in more two-way conversations about key issues and decisions with school leaders, educators, students, and family, families, along with Belmont residents who are less directly connected to the district, especially as we implement a complex plan to build a new school and transition our current schools to new grade configurations. Newcomer Peter Pantazopoulos. Engage and influence the Belmont Police Department slash school committee with security plans for student safety. Review the district memorandum on security in conjunction with the Belmont Police Department and the superintendent of the school, John Phelan, to formalize a solid security policy with the new high school based on best practices and lessons learned nationwide. Pros and cons with open campus environment versus a lockdown school for children. The population of children are growing in Belmont. More younger families are moving into Belmont to get their children into the Belmont school system. We need to have the foresight of this growth, of this growth trend to accommodate appropriate classroom sizes, state-of-the-art learning facilities, and other amenities that our town is known for and our children deserve. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Four things to know about the February 25th Selectman Meeting by Joanna K. Tuvelis. Paramount Television may be filming on Ivy Road. The location manager for a new television series being produced by Paramount Television is looking to do exterior filming for one week on Ivy Road in Belmont in the approximate time frame of April 29th to May 2nd. The set will be located at 16 Ivy Road. The prep crew will park at St. Paul Lutheran Church on the Concord Turnpike. The base camp will be set up at St. Camellia's Parish in Arlington on the Concord Turnpike. Location manager Ryan Cook asked permission to hold a meeting with the neighborhood at 7 p.m. on February 28th to inform them about the plan. He said there'll be five days of filming as well as prep and wrap work before and after the filming. Much of the filming will be needed to be done at night, said Cook. It can be done in five days if, the film, if they film until 10 or 11 p.m. every night or four days if they go later each night. He hopes to get a better sense of how the neighborhood feels about it on February 28th. The television series is based on a New York Times best-selling book 
which he referred to as an unsexy drama with no car chases or explosions. He said the main actor is someone who has played a superhero on the big screen and has roots in Massachusetts. He said the main character's house would be on Ivy Road, which represents quintessential New England. He assured the selectmen he would work with the neighborhood and black out windows if requested so homeowners aren't bothered by the light. He said he recognizes residential neighborhoods are challenging to film in, especially at night. He believes he can solve any problem and work with the community. Cook will communicate with residents and offer payment if a house will be involved in any of the scenes or parking is impacted. His ultimate goal is for people to feel involved and satisfied. He said there will be a 24-hour complaint line. The selectmen gave the location crew permission to engage the Ivy Road neighborhood. Cook will appear before the selectmen again on March 4th, depending on the outcome of the meeting with the neighborhood, to provide more detailed plans about the filming. The location team is the same team who scouted a home in Beverly for the movie The Judge, starring Robert Downey. And now to my friend Claire. Thank you, Bob. That movie was filmed on Fletcher Road for two days in July 2013. Cook said The Cardinal was also filmed in Belmont in 1963. No hockey rink or anaerobic digester at the incinerator site. The list of potential uses for the former incinerator site is smaller now, with just three potential uses, open space, solar storage, or a bike and skate park. After several months of public discussions, $8,250 spent on a feasibility study for an anaerobic digester and upset so many people, neighbors surrounding the town-owned land on the former incinerator site on Concord Ave, the selectmen learned a third party would not be allowed to develop the site to generate revenue. The Division of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance sent a letter on February 6th to town administrator to Patrice Garvin in response to a letter she sent them on January 18, asking them to confirm if a third party developing a structure on the site to generate revenue would be allowed. According to the letter from Nicholas Sapalis, Deputy Director Asset Management, based upon a review of the original enabling legislation which provided for the sale of the property to the town of Belmont for recreation, public works, or other municipal purposes. It is our view that any proposed use that resulted in the generation of revenue to the town would be inconsistent with the stated intent of the legislation. The letter goes on to say, if the town were to pursue any commercial development of the property, it would first be necessary to obtain amended or new legislation that would allow this to occur. Any such change would likely require a reappraisal of the property consistent <coughs> with any planned commercial use, resulting in a higher valuation with additional monies due to the Commonwealth. Although the selectmen approved spending an additional $7,900 on February 4 to determine if building a hockey rink on the incinerator site is feasible, Garvin said 
She put a halt on the study as soon as she got the letter from DCAM, and the money will not be spent. Garvin said she tried to learn from DCAM the types of uses they would approve prior to spending any money on exploring the different uses. We tried. DCAM was non-committal. It wasn't until we began in earnest to pursue these ideas that DCAM was finally compelled to take a position, she wrote in an email to Citizen Herald. Selectman Chairman Adam Dash told the Citizen Herald in an email following the meeting, there is risk and a timing issue going back to the state to try to change the municipal use restriction, if that is even something that would get approved. Now, over to Max. Thank you, Claire. To continue, number three, temporary home for police station. On February 25th, the selectmen authorized the Police and Public Works Building Committee to use the Water Department property, 35 Woodland Street, in Belmont as the temporary location for the Belmont Police Department during the renovation of the current police building on Concord Avenue, which is expected to begin in June. They also approved using Town Hall Auditorium for live storage during the construction, which is expected to take about one year. Building Committee Chairman Anne-Marie Mahoney said 4,000 to 5,000 square feet of trailer space would be placed on the Water Department property for staff office space and public access. A trailer for dispatch and 911 responders will be located directly outside the current police building. Mahoney said they will rent the trailers for 18 months with the option to end the agreement sooner. Access onto Water Department property will need to be determined. Prisoners will not be housed in any of the trailers. Arrangements have been made with the Watertown, Arlington, and Middlesex County Sheriff Department, according to Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin. Also, there will be no sirens used on the property. Town meeting member Ariane Goodman-Belcati, representing residents who live on Woodland Street, presented a petition to the selectmen expressing their concerns about using Woodland Street as an exit. Goodman-Belcati said there is an agreement between the town and Woodland Street residents that dates back to 2004, which states only water department vehicles are allowed to use Woodland Street. She said they would feel compelled to take legal action if this <coughs> agreement is not adhered to. Public Works Director Jason Marcotte said he had, has been searching for a copy of the agreement and has not found one in any of the town records or minutes. Town Administrator Patrice Garvin said she would continue to look for the agreement. Number four, selectmen vote two to one in favor of Southside for Community Path Route. Belmont is on its way to securing funding through a grant from the MassDOT's Transportation Improvement Plan to build a community path. However, the route design needs to be finalized, which connects Brighton Street at the Cambridge Line to the Clark Street Bridge. Although the selectmen approved the route, which requires bicyclists and pedestrians to cross over the railroad tracks on Brighton Street, Recommended by the Pear Corporation one year ago, they asked the consultant if they would still recommend the same route if they knew then what they know now. Over the past year, the selectmen received a letter from the MBTA start stating that they were concerned about the bike path changing sides of the rail line at Brighton Street. They also learned that the state would fund construction of the Alexander Avenue underpass even if it is not part of the community path and in the future, Cambridge may be developing land on the south side of the tracks. Amy Archer of the Pear Corporation said after reevaluating the possible routes with the new information, she still recommends the south side, which crosses over the tracks. 
She said it can be designed appropriately with no fatal flaws. She said the intersection at the railroad crossing needs to be redesigned and signalized to be made safer for motorists and pedestrians, regardless of whether or not the route is located there. Selectman Chairman Adam Dash said he was in favor of changing the recommended route to the north side, which does not cross over the tracks. It continues the path in a straight line and is also more user-friendly. He also is concerned that the state may not fund the south side route due to the safety concern expressed by the MBTA. Selectman Vice Chairman Mark Paolillo and Selectman Tom Caputo voted in favor of the south route contingent upon negotiations with the Pure Coat North building at 39 Hittinger Street and approval of the school committee and Belmont High School building committee within the next 60 days. The south side route would require an exterior wall of the Pure Coat building to be taken down to accommodate the path and cuts through the high school campus property. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Question of the week for Housing Authority candidates. There are two candidates running for the five-year Housing Authority seat in the upcoming town election April 2nd. They are newcomer Cassandra Page and incumbent Thomasina Olson. The Housing Authority has five members, four of whom are, so, are elected for overlapping five-year terms, while the fifth is appointed by the state. The full-time salaried executive director supervises and coordinates the programs. According to Belmont's town website, the Belmont Housing Authority manages programs which provide housing assistance for low-income families, veterans, and the elderly. It presently manages a total of 256 units of conventional housing, which includes 100 units of veterans and family housing, 154 units of elderly and handicapped disabled housing, and two units of housing for the developmentally disabled. The authority also administers two Massachusetts rental vouchers, three alternative housing vouchers, 20 existing Section 8 rental assistance certificates, and 25 Section 8 housing voucher certificates. Every week leading up to the election, the Belmont Citizen Herald will ask Page and Olson a question of the week to help voters decide which candidate is the best choice. This week's question is, what do you think are the current top three most important improvement or renovation projects that need to be made to the low-income housing properties in Belmont and why? Thomasina Olson. We spent much of this last year getting exterior staircases at Sherman Gardens completed, coordinated the purchase of new computer systems, and updating administrative systems. We also corrected past due income certification for all residents. We need to continue to address the exterior stairs at Sherman Gardens and finish the roofing project at Waverly Oaks. We must identify funding for making the community room at Sherman Gardens more accessible for physically challenged residents and guests. Through the Housing Trust, of which I am a member, a housing production plan was developed. It was determined that as many as 25% of our seniors are housing cost burdened. Recognizing that we're using CPA money that we have been granted 
to identify where and how we might add additional affordable housing here in Belmont. Cassandra Page. Currently, the family housing units are in serious need of renovations. First, mold. The abundance of mold poses risks to both health and structural damage, especially to young children, elderly, and those with weakened immune systems. We need new siding and windows, which would also help with my second issue, better insulation. Some units are so drafty in the winter that turning the heat up all the way still doesn't keep the unit above 50 degrees. Weather stripping doors, installing better windows, and increasing the number of baseboards downstairs would help resolve the issues. Last, ventilation. Currently, approximately 5 out of 100 units don't even have a fan over the stove. Also, the bathroom fans do not seem to be super effective, which adds to the amount of mold in the bathrooms. Tenants I've spoken to and myself feel there are some of the more these are some of the more pressing issues we currently face. Starting some small renovations now would be beneficial to improve the health concerns and lower tenants' heat and electric bills until fun funding becomes available for bigger projects. Unfortunately, in the past, some projects were done poorly and have contributed to the current conditions and now need to be redone. Claire? Thank you, Bob. Public hearings to be held. Public will have a chance to comment on zoning amendments at upcoming hearings by Diane McLaughlin. Belmont Town Meeting will decide this spring whether to amend three zoning bylaws, and the public will have a chance to comment on the proposals at upcoming hearings. Belmont's Planning Board will hold a public hearing on Tuesday, March 12, for amendments affecting the Single Residence B District and Affordable Housing Guidelines. On Thursday, March 14, Representatives from McLean Hospital will discuss proposals for two sections of the McLean Zoning District, followed by public comment. <coughs> McLean Amendments. During the planning board meeting on February 21st, Chair Charles Clark said he expects a long and extended hearing for the discussion about the McLean property on March 14th. The proposed zoning amendments would affect two sections of the McLean District. Changes in Zone 3 would allow developer Northland Residential to build between 120 and 125 housing units for individuals age 55 and older. Approximately 34 units would be in multifamily townhouses and the remainder in apartment buildings. At the January 15 planning board meeting, several affordable housing advocates expressed concerns that only nine units would be designated as affordable. Now here's Max with part two. To continue, Clark said during the February 21st meeting that the developer had increased the number now, quote, in the range of 19 affordable housing units. The other proposed amendment would allow two special education schools already on McLean property to build a residential and academic building. This change would affect McLean District Zone 4. Single Residence B. In 2016, Town Meeting approved changes to the zoning bylaw for the Single Residence C District 
and will consider this year whether to adopt similar changes in single residence B. Planning Board member Stephen Pinkerton has been part of a working group reviewing the proposed changes. He said the bylaw would include language that recognizes the topography within the single resident B block where a house from one angle could look like it has two and a half stories but from another neighbor's angle it has four stories. Among the items being considered under the proposal is requiring a special permit from the planning board if building alterations increase the structure's gross floor area by 30% or 300 square feet, whichever is less. Alterations that could affect sunlight and shadows on neighbors' property would also be addressed in the amendment. We certainly don't want to prevent people from building expanded houses, Pinkerton said. We have to respect the rights of the abutters, and we're trying to balance that. The working group is also considering requiring a special permit for alterations that would exceed, that would result in the gross floor area exceeding 2,600 square feet. But Pinkerton said he was reluctant to put a specific figure in the bylaw. Pinkerton said that the proposal should specify that the bylaw would apply to both new and existing non-conforming structures, adding that he would also suggest including this language in the single residence C bylaw. The Zoning Board of Appeals is currently handling a case that raised questions about whether the 2016 bylaw amendment applied to existing structures. Inclusionary housing. The public will also be able to comment during the March 12th hearing on proposals affecting inclusionary or affordable housing. The zoning bylaw currently requires projects with 12 or fewer housing units to make 10% of the units affordable, while projects with 13 to 40 units require 12% affordable. Planning Board member Edmund Starzek said a working group has proposed lowering the 12% threshold to 20 units, and any project with 21 or more units would require 15% of these units to be affordable. These thresholds would also apply to mixed-use projects, eliminating an existing bylaw that allows them to have a lower percentage. Another proposal would clarify language within the bylaw that lets developers who do not meet the affordable housing requirements to instead make payments to the town. Under the proposal, developers could make a payment equal to 5% of the retail value of all units within the project. The proposed amendment would also apply to mixed-use projects. The amendment would affect projects with units for sale, not rental buildings. Back to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Talking News. Stay tuned for next week's program. You can watch Talking News on Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 on Channel 9 Infinity and Wednesdays at 12.30 on Channel 29 Fios. You can also view Talking News anytime on the Belmont Media Center podcast network. Thank you.